The blessed birth of Mary Immaculate as seen by the mystic Mary of Agreda from her book titled, The Mystical City of God, The Divine History and Life of the Virgin Mother of God. The Most Holy Mary, being conceived without sin as described above, was entirely absorbed in spirit and entranced by her first vision of the divinity. At the first instant, and in the narrow dwelling of the maternal womb, began the love of God in her most blessed soul, never to be interrupted, but to continue through all the eternities of that high glory, which she now enjoys at the right hand of her divine Son. The most happy mother, Holy Anne passed the days of her pregnancy altogether spiritualized by the divine operations and by the sweet workings of the Holy Ghost in all her faculties. Divine Providence, however, in order to direct her course to greater merit and reward, ordained, that the ballast of trouble be not wanting, for without it the cargo of grace and love is scarcely ever secure. In order to understand better what happened to this holy woman, it must be remembered that Satan, after he was hurled with the other bad angels from heaven into the infernal torments, never ceased, during the reign of the old law, to search through the earth hovering with lurking vigilance above the women of distinguished holiness, in order to find her, whose sign he had seen and whose heel was to bruise and crush his head. Lucifer's wrath against men was so fierce, that he would not trust this investigation to his inferiors alone, but leaving them to operate against the virtuous women in general, he himself attended to this matter and assiduously hovered around those, who signalized themselves more particularly in the exercise of virtue and in the grace of the Most High. Filled with malice and astuteness, he observed closely the exceeding great holiness of the excellent matron Anne and all the events of her life, and although he could not estimate the richness of the treasure, which was enclosed in her blessed womb, since the Lord has concealed this as well as many mysteries from him, yet he felt a powerful influence proceeding from Saint Anne. The fact that he could not penetrate into the source of this activity, threw him at times into greater fury and rage. At other times he quieted himself with the thought that this pregnancy arose from the same causes as others in the course of nature and that there was no special cause for alarm, for the Lord left him to his own hallucinations and to the vagaries of his own fury. Nevertheless the whole event was a source of great misgiving to this perverse spirit, when he saw how quietly her pregnancy took its course and especially, when he saw, that many angels stood in attendance. Above all he was enraged at his weakness in resisting the force, which proceeded from the blessed Anne, and he suspected that it was not she alone, who was the cause of it. Filled with this mistrust, the dragon determined, if possible, to take the life of the most felicitous Anne, or, if that was impossible, to see that she should obtain little satisfaction from her pregnancy. For the pride of Lucifer was so boundless as to persuade him of his ability to overcome or take away the life of her, 
who was to be the mother of the incarnate Word, or even the life of the Messiah and Redeemer of the world, if only he could obtain knowledge of their whereabouts. His arrogance was founded upon the superiority of his angelic nature to the condition and power of mere human nature, as if both were not subject to grace and entirely dependent upon the will of their Creator. Audaciously therefore he set himself to tempt Holy Anne, with many suggestions, misgivings, doubts and diffidences about the truth of her pregnancy, alleging her protracted years. All this the demon attempted in order to test the virtue of the saint, and to see, whether these temptations would not afford some opening for the perversion of her will. But the invincible matron resisted these onslaughts with humble fortitude, patience, continued prayer and vivid faith in the Lord. She brought to naught the perplexing lies of the dragon and on account of them gained only additional grace and protection from on high. For besides the protection abundantly merited by her past life, she was defended and freed from the demons by the great princes, who were guarding her most holy daughter. Nevertheless in his insatiable malice the enemy did not desist on that account, and since his arrogance and pride far exceeds his powers, he sought human aid, for with such help he always promises himself greater ease of victory. Having at first tried to overthrow the dwelling of St. Joachim and Anne, in order that she might be frightened and excited by the shock of its fall, but not being able to succeed on account of the resistance of the holy angels, he incited against St. Anne one of the foolish women of her acquaintance to quarrel with her. This the woman did with great fury, insolently attacking St. Anne with reproach and scorn, she did not hesitate to make mockery of her pregnancy, saying, that she was the sport of the demon in being thus found pregnant at the end of so many years and at so great an age. The blessed Anne did not permit herself to be disturbed by this attack, but in all meekness and humility bore the injuries and treated her assailants with kindness. From that time on she looked with greater love upon these women and lavished upon them so much the greater benefits. But their wrath was not immediately pacified, for the demon had taken possession of them, filling them with hate against the saint, and, as any concession to this cruel tyrant always increases his power over his victims, he incited these miserable dupes to plot even against the person and life of Saint Anne. But they could not put their plots into execution, because divine power interfered to foil their natural womanly weakness. They were not only powerless against the saint, but they were overcome by her admonitions and brought to the knowledge and amendment of their evil course by her prayers. The dragon was repulsed, but not vanquished, for he immediately availed himself of a servant, who lived in the house with Joachim and Anne, and exasperated her against the holy matron. Through her he created even a greater annoyance than through the other women, for she was a domestic enemy and more stubborn and dangerous than the others. 
I will not stay to describe what the enemy attempted through this servant, since it was similar to that of the other woman, only more annoying and malicious. But with the help of God Saint Anne won a more glorious victory than before, for the watcher of Israel slumbered not, but guarded his holy city and furnished it so well with sentinels, chosen from the strongest of his hosts, that they put to ignominious flight Lucifer and his followers. No more were they allowed to molest the fortunate mother, who was already expecting the birth of the most blessed princess of heaven, and who, enriched by heroic acts of virtue and many merits in these conflicts, had now arrived at the fulfillment of all her highest wishes. The day destined for the parturition of Saint Anne and for the birth of her, who was consecrated and sanctified to be the Mother of God, had arrived, a day most fortunate for the world. This birth happened on the eighth day of September, fully nine months having elapsed since the conception of the soul of our Most Holy Queen and Lady. Saint Anne was prepared by an interior voice of the Lord, informing her, that the hour of her parturition had come. Full of the joy of the Holy Spirit at this information, she prostrated herself before the Lord and besought the assistance of His grace and His protection for a happy deliverance. The most blessed child Mary was at the same time by divine providence and power ravished into a most high ecstasy. Hence Mary was born into the world without perceiving it by her senses, for their operations and faculties were held in suspense. She was born pure and stainless, beautiful and full of grace, thereby demonstrating that she was free from the law and the tribute of sin. Although she was born substantially like other daughters of Adam, Yet her birth was accompanied by such circumstances and conditions of grace, that it was the most wonderful and miraculous birth in all creation and will eternally redound to the praise of her Maker. At twelve o'clock in the night this divine luminary issued forth, dividing the night of the ancient law and its pristine darknesses from the new day of grace, which now was about to break into dawn. She was clothed, handled and dressed like other infants, though her soul dwelt in the divinity, and she was treated as an infant, though she excelled all mortals and even all the angels in wisdom. Her mother did not allow her to be touched by other hands than her own, but she herself wrapped her in swaddling clothes, and in this Saint Anne was not hindered by her present state of childbirth for she was free from the toils and labours, which other mothers usually endure in such circumstances. So then Saint Anne received in her arms her, who was her daughter, but at the same time the most exquisite treasure of all the universe, inferior only to God and superior to all other creatures. With fervent tears of joy she offered this treasure to His Majesty, saying interiorly, Lord of infinite wisdom and power, creator of all that exists, this fruit of my womb, which I have received of thy bounty, I offer to thee with eternal thanks, for without any merit of mine thou hast vouchsafed it to me. 
Dispose thou of the mother and child according to thy most holy will, and look propitiously down upon our lowliness from thy exalted throne. Be thou eternally blessed, because thou hast enriched the world with a creature so pleasing to thy bounty, and because in her thou hast prepared a dwelling place and a tabernacle for the eternal word. I tender my congratulations to my holy forefathers, and to the holy prophets, and in them to the whole human race, for this sure pledge of redemption, which thou hast given them. But how shall I be able to worthily to treat her, whom thou hast given me as a daughter? I that am not worthy to be her servant. How shall I handle the true ark of the testament? Give me, O my Lord and King, the necessary enlightenment to know thy will and to execute it according to thy pleasure in the service of my daughter, the Lord answered the holy matron interiorly, that she was to treat her heavenly child outwardly as mothers treat their daughters, without any demonstration of reverence, but to retain this reverence inwardly, fulfilling the laws of a true mother toward her, and rearing her up with all motherly love and solicitude. All this the happy mother complied with, making use of this permission and her mother's rights without losing her reverence, she regaled herself with her most holy daughter, embracing and caressing her in the same way as other mothers do with their daughters. But it was always done with a proper reverence and consciousness of the hidden and divine sacrament known only to the mother and daughter. The guardian angels of the sweet child with others in great multitudes showed their veneration and worship to Mary as she rested in the arms of her mother, they joined in heavenly music, some of which was audible to blessed Anne. The thousand angels appointed as guardians of the great queen offered themselves to her service. This was also the first time in which the heavenly mistress saw them in a corporeal form with their devices and habiliments, as I shall describe in another chapter and the child asked them to join with her in the praise of the Most High and to exalt him in her name. At the moment of the birth of our Princess Mary the Most High sent the Archangel Gabriel as an envoy to bring this joyful news to the Holy Fathers in Limbo. Immediately the heavenly ambassador descended, illumining that deep cavern and rejoicing the just who were detained therein. He told them that already the dawn of eternal felicity had commenced and that the reparation of man, which was so earnestly desired and expected by the holy patriarchs and foretold by the prophets, had been begun, since she, who was to be the mother of the Messiah, had now been born, soon they would now see the salvation and glory of the Most High. The Holy Prince gave them an understanding of the excellence of the Most Holy Mary and of what the Omnipotent had begun to work in her, in order that they might better comprehend the happy beginning of the mystery, which was to end their prolonged imprisonment. Then all the holy patriarchs and prophets and the rest of the just in limbo rejoiced in spirit and in new canticles praised the Lord for this benefit. 
All these happenings at the birth of our queen succeeded each other in a short space of time. The first exercise of her senses in the light of the material sun was to recognize her parents and other creatures. The arms of the Most High began to work new wonders in her far above all conceptions of men, and the first and most stupendous one was to send innumerable angels to bring the mother of the eternal word body and soul into the Empyrean heaven for the fulfilling of his further intentions regarding her. The holy princes obeyed the divine mandate and receiving the child Mary from the arms of her holy mother Anne, they arranged a new and solemn procession bearing heavenward with incomparable songs of joy the true Ark of the Covenant, in order that for a short time it might rest, not in the house of Abedon, but in the temple of the King of Kings and of the Lord of Lords, where later on it was to be placed for all eternity. This was the second step, which Most Holy Mary made in her life, namely, from this earth to the highest heaven. Who can worthily extol this wonderful prodigy of the right hand of the Almighty? Who can describe the joy and the admiration of the celestial spirits, when they beheld this new and wonderful work of the Most High, and when they gathered to celebrate it in their songs? In these songs they acknowledged and reverenced as their queen and mistress, her, who was to be the mother of their Lord, and the source of the grace and glory, which they possessed, for it was through his foreseen merits, that they had been made the recipients of the divine bounty. But above all, what human tongue, or what mortal could ever describe or comprehend the heart secrets of that tender child during these events? I leave the imagination of all this to Catholic piety, and still more to those who in the Lord are favoured with an understanding of it, but most of all to those who, by divine bounty shall have arrived at the beatific vision face to face. Worn by the hands of the angels the child Mary entered the Empyrean heaven where she prostrated herself full of love before the royal throne in the presence of the Most High. Then, according to our way of understanding, was verified what long before had happened in figure, when Bethsabe entered into the presence of her son Solomon, who, while presiding over his people of Israel, arose from his throne, received her with honor and reverence, and seated her at his side as queen. Similarly, but in a more glorious and admirable manner, the person of the divine word now received the child Mary, whom he had chosen as mother, as queen of the universe. Although her real dignity and the purpose of these ineffable mysteries were unknown to Mary, yet her infant faculties were strengthened by divine power for the reception of these favors. New graces and gifts were bestowed upon her, by which her faculties were correspondingly elevated. Her powers of mind, besides being illumined and prepared by new grace and light, were raised and proportioned to the divine manifestation, and the divinity displayed itself in the new light vouchsafed, revealing itself to her intuitively and clearly in a most exalted manner. 
This was the first time in which the most holy soul of Mary saw the blessed Trinity in unveiled beatific vision. The sole witnesses of the glory of Mary in this beatific vision, of the sacraments then again revealed to her, of the divine effect that overflowed into her most pure soul, was God the author of this unheard of wonder, and the astounded angels, who in some measure perceived these mysteries in God himself. The Queen seated at the side of the Lord, who was to be her son, and seeing him face to face, was more successful in her prayer than Bethsabe. For she prayed that he bestow the untouched Sunamite, Obisog, his inaccessible divinity, upon his sister, human nature by the hypostatic union be fulfilled in the person of the word. Many times he had pledged himself to it among men through the ancient patriarchs and prophets and now Mary besought him to accelerate the reparation of the human race, expected for so many ages amid the multiplied iniquity and the ruin of souls. The Most High heard this most pleasing petition of his mother, and acting more graciously than Solomon of old toward his mother, he assured her that soon his promises should be fulfilled, and that he should descend to the world in order to assume and redeem human nature. In this divine consistory and tribunal of the Most Holy Trinity it was determined to give a name to the child queen. As there is no proper and legitimate name, except it be found in the immutable being of God himself, for from it are participated and determined according to their right weight and measure all things in infinite wisdom, his majesty wished himself to give and impose that name in heaven. He thereby made known to the angelic spirits, that the three divine persons, had decreed and formed the sweet names of Jesus and Mary for the Son and Mother from the beginning before the ages, and that they had been delighted with them, and had engraved them on their eternal memories to be as it were the objects for whose service they should create all things. Being informed of these and many other mysteries, the holy angels heard a voice from the throne speaking in the person of the Father, our chosen one shall be called Mary, and this name is to be powerful and magnificent. Those that shall invoke it with devout affection shall receive most abundant graces, those that shall honor it and pronounce it with reverence will be consoled and vivified, and will find in it the remedy of their evils, the treasures for their enrichment, the light which shall guide them to heaven. It shall be terrible against the power of hell, it shall crush the head of the serpent and it shall win glorious victories over the princes of hell. The Lord commanded the angelic spirits to announce this glorious name to Saint Anne, so that what was decreed in heaven might be executed on earth. The heavenly child, lovingly prostrate before the throne, rendered most acceptable and human thanks to the Eternal Being, and she received the name with most admirable and sweet jubilation. If the prerogatives and graces, which she then was favored with, were to be described, it would necessitate an extra book of many volumes. 
The holy angels honored and acknowledged Most Holy Mary as the future mother of the Word, and as their queen and mistress enthroned at the right hand of her son, they showed their veneration of her holy name, prostrating themselves as it proceeded from the throne in the voice of the Eternal Father, especially those, who had it written on the devices over their breast. All of them gave forth canticles of praise for these great and hidden mysteries. In the meanwhile the infant queen remained ignorant of the real cause of all that she thus experienced, for her dignity of mother of the incarnate word was not revealed to her till the time of the incarnation. With the same reverential jubilee did the angels return in order to replace her into the arms of Holy Anne, to whom this event remained a secret, as was also the absence of her daughter, for a guardian angel, assuming an aerial body, supplied her place for this very purpose. More than that, during a great part of the time in which the heavenly child remained in the Empyrean heaven, her mother was wrapped in ecstasy of highest contemplation, and in it, although she did not know what was happening to the child, exalted mysteries concerning the dignity of the Mother of God, to which she was to be chosen, were revealed to her. The prudent matron kept them enshrined within her breast, conferring them in her thoughts with the duties she owed to her child. On the eighth day after the birth of the great queen multitudes of most beautiful angels in splendid array descended from on high bearing an escutcheon on which the name of Mary was engraved and shone forth in great brilliancy. Appearing to the blessed mother Anne, they told her, that the name of her daughter was to be Mary, which name they had brought from heaven, and which divine providence had selected and now ordained to be given to their child by Joachim and herself. The saint called for her husband and they conferred with each other about this disposition of God in regard to the name of their daughter. The more than happy father accepted the name with joy and devout affection. They decided to call their relatives and a priest and then, with much solemnity and festivity, they imposed the name of Mary on their child. The angels also celebrated this event with most sweet and ravishing music, which, however, was heard only by the mother, a most holy daughter. Words of the Queen The Virgin Mary speaks to Sister Mary of Agreda in Spain. My admonition to thee, whom in spite of thy weakness and poverty I have chosen with such generous kindness as my disciple and companion, is this, that thou strive with all thy powers to imitate me in an exercise, in which I persevered during my whole life from the very first moment of my birth, omitting it on not a single day, however full of cares and labours it might have been. This exercise was the following, Every day at the beginning of dawn, I prostrated myself in the presence of the Most High, and gave him thanks and praise for his immutable being, his infinite perfections, and for having created me out of nothing, acknowledging myself as his creature and the work of his hands, I blessed him and adored him, giving him honor, 
magnificence and divinity, as the Supreme Lord and Creator of myself and of all that exists. I raised up my spirit to place it into his hands, offering myself with profound humility and resignation to him and asking him to dispose of me according to his will during that day and during all the days of my life, and to teach me to fulfill whatever would be to his greater pleasure. This I repeated many times during the external works of the day, and in the internal ones I first consulted His Majesty, asking His advice, permission and benediction for all my actions. Be very devout toward my most sweet name. I wish that thou be convinced of the great prerogatives and privileges, which the Almighty concedes to it, so that I myself, when I saw them in the divinity, felt most deeply obliged and solicitous to make a proper return, and whenever the name Mary occurred to my mind, which happened often, and whenever I heard myself called by that name, I was aroused to thankfulness and urged to new fervour in the service of the Lord, who gave it to me. Thou hast the same name and I wish, that in proportion it should cause the same effects in thee and that thou imitate me faithfully by following the lesson given thee in this chapter, without failing in the least point from this day onward. And if in thy weakness thou shouldst fail, rouse thyself immediately, and in the presence of thy Lord and mine, acknowledge thy fault, confessing it in sorrow. Repeating these holy exercises over and again with solicitous care, thou shalt find forgiveness for imperfections and grow accustomed to strive after what is highest in all virtues and most pleasing and agreeable to thy own tastes and mine, thou shalt not be denied the grace of employing thyself entirely in listening, attending to and obeying in all things thy spouse and Lord who seeks in thee only what is most pure, most holy and perfect, and a will prompt and eager to put the same into practice. And this ends that section of the book. We hope you enjoyed the video. Please remember to subscribe, hit the like button and also subscribe to our Rumble, Odyssey and podcast channels. Also, Please remember to pray the rosary every day in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. May our Lord bless you and Our Lady protect you under her mantle of mercy.